0: Show is a very cool show that happens every Wednesday night from 9 to 11 p.m. right here on WCBN FM Ann Arbor. Every week we have a live band performing in the studio that's from around here, and we'll even play your band on the show if you send us your CD. Tune in every Wednesday at 9 for the local music show.
1: I'm into basketball, I'm really into art, I'm into photography, I'm into the environment. Are you into it? Well, here's your chance to find out. Get involved with the volunteer program for kids who care. You can participate in whatever you're into, hang with your buds, and help the community at the same time. So,
0: are you into it? If you are, then give 4-H a call toll-free at 1-888-77-YOUTH for more info. Or check out our website at www.areyouintoit.com.
1: I'm into everything. A public service message brought to you by 4-H, the Cooperative Extension System, and the Ad Council.
0: Hi, this is Ozzy Osbourne. For many years, you know I've had a drink problem, and I'm, I'm trying to battle that problem every single day. But one thing I don't do, I don't drive my car when I'm drinking. I get someone to drive me. Do not drink and drive. It's the stupidest thing. If you drink, just don't drive. Not only are you going to hurt yourself, you may hurt some other person, and you wouldn't want that on your country. Would you?
1: A public service announcement brought to you by the U.S. Department of Transportation, RAD, the National Association of Broadcasters, and the Ad Council. This is Amy Lou Harris inviting you to tune in to the Down Home Show every Saturday from 1 to 4 p.m. on WCBN-FM, Ann Arbor. There's a valley of sorrow in my soul Where every night I hear the thunder roll Like the sound of...
0: I'm T. Hetzel. You've got living writers today on the program. I'm so pleased to have Jay Platt sitting here in the studio with me. Jay from Westside Bookshop on Liberty uh, here in grand old Ann Arbor. <laughs> <laughs> or ye older, <laughs> mm. Ye olde, right? Yes. Uh, well, Jay, welcome. Thanks for being on the program Well, today. thank you for
1: asking me, T. Yeah.
0: And um, maybe we could start by, um, would you mind telling us a little bit about the, the history of of the bookshop? Because um, when I was looking online, it seems like, and I've sp- I've spoken with you at the shop about a little bit of the history, but I'd love to hear more. Uh, you began it in 1975,
1: right? Didn't yeah? Yes, we did. We opened it. Uh, well, actually, there's a little backstory Let's behind it. Let's get that. <laughs> um, I got started. I. I, I Discovered books. I mean, books as book selling, probably in about 1971. And a friend and I were in New York City, and we were visiting a couple of used bookshops. And when this is back in the days of the old Fourth Avenue bookshops, and uh, we went in, and he asked for a book that I'd never heard of before. And the bookseller went. I mean, he must have had a hundred thousand books. He went right back in some corner upstairs to get it. And I he said, knew exactly. He knew right where it was. And I wondered how did he do that. And now I know, because a bookseller tends to know their books. So that really got me started. And shortly after, I got a job in a textbook store. But at the same time, I was starting to collect books myself and learning about the book trade, the antiquarian book trade. Um,
0: So right from the beginning, you had an interest in older books, because when you said yes. you, you discovered books, like, what does that well, mean? And what could you mind telling us, like, what age you were? Like, what sort of had led well, up I would have that been, Had you been to, had, did you go to college? Or did yes. you, you know, like, what sort of...
1: Well, we go back a few more years okay, then. because
0: because when you say you discovered book selling, like, that's kind of amazing. Yeah.
1: Well, I, I came, came to school here in 1963... In naval architecture, in ship design, and just the university here is one of the few programs in naval architecture. It's part of the engineering school, and I like boats and like sailing, and I've always have. And I like. I grew up in Alexandria, Virginia, but decided to come. And but we spent summers in Michigan, so I always pictured Michigan was like the UP. But Discovered Ann Arbor wasn't quite like that. And actually, I'd never been to Ann Arbor after I got here as a freshman. Never seen the campus before. I mean, I guess people didn't travel to schools as often as they do now. Yeah, there was you no know, school just, visits. Uh, and uh, But I got my degree, graduated in 1968, but then really decided, the 60s being the 60s, that that's not what I really wanted to do.
0: And Ann Arbor was a, a much different place in the yes. 60s, wasn't it? There were,
1: <laughs> there were opportunities for other pursuits. <laughs> and,
0: Revolutionary and, and otherwise. Yes.
1: And I traveled around a bit. and Anyway, uh, and then worked, I worked at the model ship model testing tank for oh about a year or so. But it was just something to do. Uh, I mean, I still like boats and still like sailing, and I still kind of miss the old apartment. But I Ann Arbor, he yeah, I had a lot of opportunity to do a lot of different things. There was a lot of cultural activities, and I was lucky to be able to participate in a lot of that. Um, but really discovering the book trade, I guess, as an occupation, that goes from about 1970, 70, 71, so I was maybe— what was I, twenty six and twenty seven?
0: And you were naturally already collecting books. You said so you went to yeah, New York and I you guess. saw like the, the, the older bookshops and that's yeah. when that moment struck you.
1: Yes. It was like turning on a light bulb and saying that's what I and I it was, you know, that's what I would really want to do. It was like and it was like a real revelation. And so I've been doing it ever since.
0: Your your Joycean Epiphany.
1: Yes. Yes. (laughs) That's what it was.
0: Uh, And how did you decide then to to start to make Ann Arbor your base? Was it because you were already here or you had come to love the town or or Well what yeah, how did you pick here? Well I
1: had actually the first year I was here I hated Ann Arbor. (laughs) I was gonna transfer back to Virginia and you know, but then I stuck it out one more year, and I'm still here. So I love Ann Arbor. <laughs> and uh, when I opened the shop, I it was partly I had a friend who had uh, sold a house, and he had some money. He said, "You want to open up, open up a bookstore?" And I really didn't have any money at the time. He put up some cash. I put up some books which I'd been accumulating, and um, we borrowed a little money from the bank and built some shelves and opened it. Opened in September of nineteen seventy five actually the building that I'm in, which is one thirteen west liberty uh was originally a bookstore when it was built in the eighteen eighties its first use uh, but that building at in the early seventies was uh willed to the city by the family that owned it, and they were going to tear it down to expand that parking lot uh behind the shop. Now I
0: was horrified. I yes. I saw that online today.
1: And <laughs> uh, they were oh. luckily they were stopped. They used it, that building for the Ann Arbor Sesu Centennial headquarters in nineteen seventy four. And then they put the building up for sale. And I even actually looked at that building thinking of putting in a bookstore there. And they were it was a closed auction and I think it went for like forty five thousand dollars a night. <laughs> seemed like a lot at the time <laughs> now it <laughs> uh, yes. it's quite a bargain i wish i was able to buy it but fortunately the people that did um uh, had put up a sign saying commercial space for rent and the die was cast
0: and, and <laughs> is it still the same the couple joseph and carolyn are cure? cure, yes they still yes. own the building and they live, live upstairs They still did still
1: for a number of side. years but now they moved down to new mexico and rent out the upstairs but uh they've been wonderful landlords and have kept me in business <laughs> they,
0: where was your first location then No, oh, that
1: was it that was the first oh that was al-
0: literally it's always been it's you've always, been, always there. been there you yes. didn't. oh okay mm-hmm. oh that's
1: wonderful and uh anyway after a couple of years i bought out my it was my business partner and i've owned it ever since and then since i've hired some employees and then doug price who works with me handles we deal in uh, we have a gallery in the back of the shop with a lot of the Edward S. Curtis uh, American Indian photographs. And Doug's been with me for over 25 years. So.
0: Over 25 years. Yeah. And and so how did you feel that that would be a good match, having the, the art? the
1: Well, it wasn't...
0: there it's art, really, isn't yes, it? Yes, it?
1: it wasn't my idea. Doug came in one day and said, just walked in out of the blue and said, I'd like, I really like your shop. I'd like to maybe put up some... Try to sell some Curtis photographs through the shop, and I said, fine. And he, and I, we went out to lunch, uh, made a deal, shook hands, and that's what we've operated with ever since. And so he said it's, he has his own business within the shop, dealing primarily in the uh, Edward S. Curtis photographs.
0: Yes, and if you go, um, it's it's sort of once you you go through the shop into the back room, that's where most of the, yes. the photos are are up on the walls, and, and there's lovely old typewriters. Yes, in Doug, that Doug room collects as well.
1: typewriters and and uses them. We. Uh, Nothing wrong with a good solid typewriter
0: oh my gosh good for the good for the heart I think yes <laughs> and and so what's amazing too is that it's it's almost as if you're walking into a secret gallery of sorts like I think your your shop itself and then the Doug prices hmm. um, Edward s Curtis yeah. uh, pictures it's like a it's it's like a wonderful museum and shop and gallery. All rolled into one. Yes. And and do you well, have people when they come in? Do they ever? Do you sort of watch their faces? Is there some sort of? I'm imagining wonderment. Yes.
1: Well, it <laughs> often happens. People come in. Well, hopefully it happens. <laughs> Sometimes people look and get a blank look on their face and go out. <laughs> but more often, hopefully, they appreciate it for what it is. And it is. I mean, I, I don't like it. I don't like to term museum so much. No. Because that's, it really that's is a. <laughs> But a lot of people think of it as that well, I say this is the way the book business runs, <laughs> Yes. or the way it should run. Let's put it that
0: way. Yes. Well, and you also have a presence on the web, so you do online book selling, and you have a
1: separate a warehouse
0: little. too. No, I don't right? have a
1: warehouse anymore, but I do sell a little bit. It's really a very small part of the business. So, but I do have, but we don't put the books in the shop online. So when people come in the shop, these are books that are not. Posted, or in a separate location, or downstairs.
0: And these are your uh, your your favorites. It seems like you've always c- cared for books. The books that are in the shop they're they first editions. Oh, they yes. They're different. What are some of the specialties? Because I I see that you're like a polar expedition specialist, right? Among other things.
1: <laughs> oh yes. Well, I mean, the shop is very general. I mean, we carry books in all different subjects, and, and paperbacks. We have a room full of paperbacks all the way up to some fairly expensive first editions and rare books. But I do, one of the things I do specialize in in books on the Arctic and Antarctic. And uh, I did a number, I've done about 30 catalogs, though I haven't done one recently. Um, but I've done about 30 catalogs in that area.
0: And when you say catalog, does that mean, a what does that printed,
1: mean? A printed catalog. A list of the books.
0: So um, all available books in in the world as you can find them.
1: No, I mean the books that I have. Oh, that books I'm, that you have. Oh, they're, okay, they're for, for sale catalogs. Oh,
0: and, uh, I see. You know, okay,
1: okay. Sorry, forgive me. Yes. <laughs> 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 no, it's a. You know, um.
0: So, so it, that but, is one of the 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 strengths of the shop, is it? Why did that but, become one of your specialties? Well, I'm not
1: really sure how I got started in that, but I've always been interested in odd places. Faraway places in the cold regions just struck me. Uh, have you been then, Jay? No, I never yeah. have. Never have, never been farther north than Canada, southern Canada.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so you were thinking the UP was cold enough. But I'd like But do you have any plans to go then? Oh, and I'd, and lo-
1: I'd love to see the Antarctic at some point. And everyone I know that's been down there, and I know people that have gone down, said it's more beautiful than any picture. Can. You can't describe how beautiful ice is and the color and light and things like that.
0: That would be amazing wouldn't it and probably the depth isn't you can't probably um, get that from seeing the pictures so you'll have to go Well, maybe by the end of the program we'll be you'll have come up with a tour date Right. (laughs) (laughs) and send us a postcard. Okay we're going to take a short break. I'm T Hetzel you've got living writers today Mm -hmm. Jay Platt from Westside Bookshop we'll be back (laughs) You've got living writers. I'm T Hetzel, and today Jay Platt from West Side Bookshop, one thirteen West Liberty. Um, and we were just also talking about Doug. Doug Price. Um, he couldn't join us today at the table because he's working at the shop, yes. right, Jay? So it's there's it's um it's a dedicated operation mm-hmm. there, right? So so tell us like you've been there now. We've established since 1975. So what are, some of, what are some of the moments in the history of the shop?
1: Well, there are a couple I've, I've, I've just recently th- just thought of. And, and the first one uh, back, oh, this would have been probably the early 1980s. I got a call on a collection uh, from a, a gentleman named Hans Kurath. And he, was a, he worked on the Middle English Dictionary here for a number of years. But he also collected books on dialects. And he was, that was his, also his main interest was the study of different dialects. So I bought his collection. I mean, there must have been a thousand books on different dialects all over the world. And put them in the shop. I did not know where I was going to put so them So he all. called
0: you because he wanted to sell yeah, I you think his collection. Yeah, was his wife. I think Is he it? had
1: died. And oh, I so, see. Oh. But uh, it was his collection. And I put it in the office, my office, which was now now the paperback room in the shop. <laughs> but then I, it was an office. And I had this big pile of them. And within about a week, a guy came in, a guy named Robert Easton. And he's an actor, a Hollywood actor, more of a character actor. You'd probably recognize him in films from the 50s and maybe 60s he did. But he, his specialty was dialects, and he also taught dialects. He came in the shop and asked if I had any books on dialects. And I said, well, I just happened to have a whole pile of He bought almost all of them. And, he and said I, that's 1,000 a a books. He knew about the collection. He said, I've been dreaming about buying this collection. So he bought it. And I thought, just to, that coincidence, that that you know how that happened was just amazing.
0: And how he happened to walk into your shop right. of all of the all shops the shop. in the world. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> <laughs> Background music, please. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Swelling.
1: And then about a year later, he called me. And he said the same thing happened to him in England. There was another collection, another um uh, di- um, <laughs> someone that studied dialects uh, had built a collection, and they came up for sale. And he happened to walk into a shop in England. I'm not sure if it was London or not, and bought that. And he had to call and tell me that. And he said that was the two collections in the in the world that he would have wanted to buy. That was it. So it was just a great, you know, it just kind of makes it all worthwhile.
0: It must have. He must yeah. have done something good in his life. Yes, and <laughs> yes. It, you know what? It seems to me like you you must. Be doing something good in your life, and it might be the good work of having the bookshop here well, in the community, so. making it a place for people to come. Do it's you have
1: fun? Still fun. It's still fun.
0: <laughs> do you have customers that you've known since 1975? People that have yes, there been have you. been with you,
1: some of them I don't remember from then, but they say I used to come in when I was. <laughs> and well, people change. And like they've, How they look changes. Yeah, well, and... They, I mean, they were either students at the time, and now have become regular and big book collectors. Um, the um, I was going to tell one other story before I forget. <laughs> um, about, again, about the middle 1980s, a woman came in the shop and asked for books by Jack Kerouac. And I said, gosh, I don't think I may have a paperback or something in the back. And she said, well, you, you know, I'm Jack Kerouac's first wife. And... I knew enough I'd read Kerouac. I knew his biography. And I knew that he had they lived in in Detroit. But in Grosse briefly, she was from Grosse Point. It was Frankie Kerouac or Edie Parker, also known as. And that's who it was. I knew enough that it was true. And she was a little, she was interesting. And we got to talking for a while. And she said, can I come in and bring in some things to show you and have a little, um, you know, reading, like in the shop. And I said, that'd be a great idea. So she came in. We got maybe 20, 30 people. And she came in one evening and had brought in letters from Kerouac, paintings that he'd done, which I'd never heard of before. And I don't think anybody that I'd never heard of had been written about. She had paintings and all these stories about when they were living in New York uh, back in the 40s. And she also claimed that she had a, a novel that he had written when he was in the Merchant Marine during the war that had never been published. And she had the manuscript, it was called, The Sea is My Brother. But she could never find it. <laughs> but I don't, you know, it, it may have existed. She And she had, she actually, it was odd, and she walked in. She didn't really realize how famous he was. Even though she had gotten letters from him up until he died. Uh, but Wait, she, in what year was this, Jerry,
0: that you said she walked in in the mid 80s? Mid
1: 80s, but she had been kind of a recluse and lived in Grosse Pointe, uh, still at her pair I think she grew up uh, in Gross Point, and I, I got the impression that she was just kind of a, a recluse. And so not, she had
0: gone to New York City, but that had oh, been. Oh, that was back in the 40s. And that had been her time, yeah, sort of. So and she and then was in art returned school there, and. and, was and
1: a uh, as well. So it was just, she just walked in the shop and. It was—and that kind of—after that, she did tours, and there had been conferences and things like that. But the first time, she walked in the shop, and that was her kind of coming out. Yeah, you launched her,
0: basically.
1: uh, (laughs) It was very exciting. uh,
0: Is she—do you know—did she keep in touch with you, Jay? Is she still— For a while,
1: yeah. She came back—we did it twice. And then she—she's been dead 15 years now or so, but—
0: uh, Gosh, I wonder if anyone ever found that manuscript. Yes.
1: I, you, know. you know, There was some controversy about who got the material that she had, because uh, and I'm not even sure what happened to it. I've kind of lost track of it. But she also said that she got it when Jack Kerouac died. He died in 67, I think it was, 68. And she had gotten a letter from him just before that, and he'd gotten into a fight. A lot of people thought he just drank himself to death, which was probably partly true. But He'd gotten into a fight in a bar and had gotten injured and he said he ruptured a spleen or something and that's maybe what would kill him. And uh so she had that letter. It was probably the last letter she'd written he'd written before he died. So
0: Wow. And so, so. they had kept in contact even yeah, though she they kept in
1: contact and
0: they divorced. There was still a closeness. She, but between. I don't think
1: she'd really read many of his books or didn't know it was uh, it was odd in that respect but she was a real real deal
0: <laughs> i guess that's that's actually how it does go in life you only yeah. know a part of a person sometimes right. isn't it even if you love that part mm-hmm. of them yeah yeah so i bet you just have a million of these stories <laughs> jay <laughs> Our, I, well, I remember I brought my my freshman um, comp class yes, to your shop. Yes, I remember shop. that very well. And and some it was the first time for some of the students to have been in a a used bookshop. Like they didn't know, uh, which was strange to me. I thought, Doesn't actually, everyone know? <laughs>
1: but, actually, I'm glad you mentioned that because I'm a with what's happening to the book trade now, and a lot of shops are closing. And people are going online and things like that. And I think it's very important that there are bookshops, open bookshops that are on the street, and that's how people really get turned on to books and to use books. And book collecting is by going into a bookshop and seeing what's available. I mean, a, hopefully, a good bookshop. I mean, a,
0: <coughs> you mean a, bo- me. a, a bookshop. That yeah, has but, a feel of its own, like your your yeah, place. But, definitely, well, it's almost it's it's a character of yeah, its own. Really,
1: where you have the expectation of hoping to find something, that maybe that you didn't know exist. And I think sometimes when you look online, you kind of know what you want, but that serendipity of going into a bookshop and then and, making that discovery and browsing, and. Uh,
0: and the objects themselves, the, the artifacts, of books. right? They're, they're an artifact. There's something mm. about the the tactile relationship you can have with it yes. and seeing them next to each other. Yes. That dis- oh, sense of discovery, yes. all, all, what you're all, saying.
1: All that. All that.
0: Yeah. Yes. Um, I guess they try to do that online, don't they, where they say, people who've liked this book have also looked at <laughs> well, it. But then it's, you know, <laughs> somebody's, you know, interested some... in Kierkegaard but gardening because they yeah, just happen to buy a book for, <laughs> It sounds you know... like that or yeah.
1: something.
0: I don't yeah, know. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. I mean, nothing. Nothing's like wrong me. with a, a breadth of interest, but yes. it's not the same as when you're wandering around. And and, no. and and yeah, there's something about the physicality of a book, even oh, yes. like the Kindle. What do you think of those uh, Kindle books? <laughs> <laughs> <No>. <laughs> that was a I, that was a bump set spike there for Jay I, Platt I, of West Side Bookshop. <laughs> he couldn't see it, but he did a thumbs down. I mean, we really do need a, uh, a camp. I a think video. they have
1: their place, but they're never going to replace books. And there's—I mean, I—well, I hope that's true, at least. And I certainly—I I, I just don't—actually, I think when they came out, they called it a portable reading device. And I said, well, that's what a book is. <laughs> a book is a portable reading <laughs> device. And, I've and, always used it like and that. And you kind of own—you own the book. And what's happened with uh, Amazon when they deleted what, uh, Orwell's 1984 because they didn't they didn't own the copyright on it. And people— got up in arms because they they paid for this, and then they, it was deleted and taken out. And I said, well, maybe Amazon had a right to do that, but it shows that they can do it. So you don't really own the book. Mm-mm. They can just take it away. So I'd much rather to have the book in hand.
0: Yes. <laughs> and, uh, yes. Because it won't it won't disappear in in no, some of in those some ways the, into respect. the ether, right? <laughs> yes. 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 Um, so with with those first books that you had as part of your the collection, Jay, uh, that you when you said when you opened the shop, you came with the books. Right. The guy came with some financing. You went to the bank. Right. Um, what was it like? Because those were books that you had collected. So that right. seems like that was the the impetus for this this book love and becoming a shop owner. Right. But what was it like parting with those books?
1: Well, it's 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 hard. Some some I kept, on you know, held on to. Or, but I I I feel that a, a bookseller shouldn't be a collector. You have to make that decision. I think if you're competing against your customers, you shouldn't do that. I mean, I do collect books on books and my reference books. I have maybe two thousand bibliographies and reference books that I use. So I guess I collect those. And I always look for better copy. I mean. Uh, as a, I mean, I know some dealers will, will if they get two copies of a reference book, they'll sell the better one and, and keep the, uh, and keep just the reading copy. But I tend to do the other. <laughs> I'll yes. keep the best one because I do kind of collect those.
0: And when I was looking and, online, I saw that you had helped um, with a Henry Miller bibliography. Is that? Oh yes. Is that? Can oh. you talk about that?
1: Well, uh, yeah. There's a guy in town named Roger Jackson who put together. Actually, someone else had started it, but Roger really did all the work on it. Uh, probably the, def- well, is the definitive Henry Miller bibliography. and
0: uh, For scholarly research I'm and sure the like. i how
1: much I did. I mean, I know I would show him some things. He was a very complete bibliography. I mean, all the different, not just the first editions, but all the different printings. I mean, it's a, it's a very thick book. I mean, it, so every, the tenth printing of Tropic of Cancer is in there, and mm-hmm. all the different paperback editions. So... Um, and we sold it for a while. Uh, we were kind of the exclusive distributor uh, for a while. So we uh, did that. I, I, when was that? That must have been 15, 20 years ago or so. And, uh, and I'm not, I, he probably still has some copies. We still have a few in, but <laughs> yes.
0: And so and so that was part of, do you think that was when you said that you were part of things in Ann Arbor, um, What you had opportunities to become part of things, was the political... Um, culture and sort of like the the counterculture oh, uh, yeah. which would Henry Miller might be well part that of. was
1: that was earlier, but I, <laughs> actually back in the late sixties I lived out in a uh i wouldn't say a commune really we called it the farm it was out on superior Road and uh, uh this has in sixty eight sixty nine and in the fall of sixty nineteen sixty eight the hog farm have you ever heard of the hog farm with wavy gravy and it was Hugh Romney. He was it was a traveling commune, and they were here in Ann Arbor and got kicked out of town by then Sheriff Harvey. No, actually, I think he got. I think they came and stayed with us in our uh, we farm. Had the big, yeah, the farm, and there was maybe forty people, kids, psychedelic bus, and the whole thing. And they, uh, and I think then Sheriff Harvey kicked him out. They had to come into town, and then left. But it was quite a. It made the news and everything. It was quite a.
0: Quite a and start it, was,
1: it was, it was, it was the '60s. I mean, I'll stop there.
0: How, how long was your hair, Jay?
1: Oh, it was a ponytail. It
0: was. It was <laughs> oh yeah. Bell
1: bottoms in the whole bit.
0: You know, I always thought wavy gravy I mean, was a Ben and Jerry's flavor. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know my history.
1: Uh, It was it was an interesting time.
0: (laughs) Well, let's take a short break, and then we'll we'll come back. We'll talk about um, the interesting times of now for bookshops too. I'm T Hetzel today on the program. J Platt, Westside Bookshop. We'll be back. back if you're just joining us you've got WCBN FM Ann Arbor I'm T Hetzel today on the program Jay Platt from Westside Bookshop Um, Jay thanks again for being here Um, my pleasure uh, while I think of it thanks to Alex Bellhodge for engineering for us um as always a a complete gentleman and (laughs) audio genius um and so the bookshop itself is in in the, the um the west, the west side of town. It's on right. one thirteen West Liberty Street, uh, near Old Town. Yeah, um, very like just across the the street. You could throw mm-hmm. a stone, uh, but you wouldn't want to because no. <laughs> your yeah. shop has one of the first plate glass windows, I think, that yes, were put in.
1: Oh, mm, in town. You've done your homework. <laughs> yes, it so is. So no
0: it's, throwing of stones, please.
1: Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's the original glass, as far as I know, and uh, and it was, I believe, it, it was kind of a classic. 19th century mercantile architecture is what someone described it with as. those
0: and, with the, uh, uh, the the arch
1: sort of the brick yes. uh, arches yes. and yeah actually it, it's been uh, it seems to be every week someone's outside taking pictures of the building so it's great publicity <laughs> to be there actually it's been used for ads i think ford some ad agency came from uh, uh you know and did a shoot out in front of the shop they used the shop as a background and um you know, blocked off the street and everything, and and one my one of my sisters-in-law's worked, worked in advertising in New York, in New York, and I told her about it, and she said, "Did you ask for a site fee?" And I said, site fee?" And I said, "So I did, and I got you know a few hundred dollars for just being there on a Sunday, which <laughs> I went.
0: <laughs> That's great. Wait, and <laughs> now, your Sunday hours are noon to five.
1: Noon to five on Sunday. We weren't at that point. We weren't open on Sundays. But this is back. This was 20 years ago or so.
0: And about your your sign um, on the the outside, I love one of the first things when I moved to Ann Arbor was um, was seeing just your your bookshop. I was just so thankful somehow oh. to to see it there, and it was it's like the idea that you have of. A, of a beautiful bookshop. it oh, is. It comes true. Thank you. Thank and, you. Yeah. and your your sign, did you create that sign, Jay, with the open book? Yeah. Could you tell us a little bit about that and how long you've... Is the sign from
1: 1975 as well? Uh, it, it's a... It, uh, I replaced it about 10, 15 years ago. It, kind of, it's wood. It's plywood, but it's been painted. But it's, it, it's identical to the original one. <laughs> That's, yeah. I had the same painter do it again. I see a guy named John Copley who... Um, used to play with Commander Cody in the Lost Planet Airmen. He was our drummer back in the 60s. And he had a shop called Quo, Quo Graphics down on the corner from me back then, or back in the 70s and 80s. And he did painting and stuff like that. And so he did the shop win- uh, both the sign and the shop windows.
0: So, which, so so it was his design with the open book idea. Right. But, well, oh, I think I right. probably
1: sketched it out. Oh, you sketched he it. Did. Okay. He did. Okay. He did.
0: Yeah, I, I bet Liberty must have been um, very different well, than it, through the years. If, the downtown
1: he... has changed quite a bit. I mean, uh, and, and at Ann Arbor, the downtown in relation to the campus has changed a bit, too. When I was in school, I mean, you really didn't venture downtown except for the bars because you couldn't drink on campus. Anyplace. So you had to go down, I think, to Peabell, Bell, which is gone, was the closest. And then there were other bars down including Mr. Flood's Party, <laughs> which was opened in the late 60s, which is across across the street from me, which is now gone also. So I've seen, I think, almost all the businesses have changed since there I mean, maybe a handful, less than a handful, that are still there from the 70s. And, of course, a lot more restaurants than there used to be. <laughs> it was more of a retail area.
0: What than- are some of the ones that are the same then, Jay? And do you oh. like high five each other when you see oh.
1: <laughs> <laughs> one another on the on the street <laughs> Actually the one uh, the other one has been there long and I have is Vogel's lock shop and it's the next block over from me and uh, once a week I still get people coming in asking what happened to the lock shop And I said one block over same place one block over so
0: the people need you, they... gu- you guys to be grounded I suppose Yeah so they got <laughs> Get their bearings.
1: Give I uh, give directions. And, and a, a couple of jeweler shops. And that's probably about it, that have, everything else has changed.
0: Do, do you have um, a close relationship with the other bookshops in town? Yes. Yet?
1: Oh, yeah. It's, it's a pretty congenial group. We try to we generally get along. <laughs> and uh, and I think been... it's generally true within the trade. That it's a, I think In one sense, it was probably true, more true before the Internet, <laughs> before... Uh, I I got the feel. My feeling is it was more congenial before that because everyone kind of knew each other. I mean, it's a relatively small profession. I mean, uh, depending on how you define what a bookseller is, but I think people that are really doing it full time and really make their living as an antiquarian bookseller are probably only three or four thousand in the country that really do it.
0: And and to be an antiquarian bookseller, that's very different than having a bookshop that sells um, new and used books, for example.
1: Well, yeah, or an antiquarian, I mean, that, that's, a, that's kind of a—I've uh, heard many, many different <laughs> definitions of it. Some people say, well, it's any book that's gone—has increased in value over its new price. But uh, some say a book is over— Fifty years old or hundred years old. I, there's no exact definition because there are a lot of modern, what we call modern first editions, and that's that are really aren't that old. They've become fairly valuable, and that's considered part of the antiquarian book trade. And of course, it goes back to the 15th century uh, in terms of the printed book. So it's really the, the book trade, the, the used and rare book trade, covers a whole you know, 500 years, 500-plus 500 years of of printing.
0: Since movable time. So it's
1: any—I mean, as a new bookstore, you're limited to what's in print. But a used bookstore or, you know, antiquarian shop, is really the whole history of printing, the whole history of books are, are theoretically available to you. How do you find your books? Uh, well, there are many—I don't have one— Big source. Some people think I have this, you know, there's a big central warehouse where all the dealers get their books. That
0: would be so boring.
1: (laughs) Yes. The the fun, actually, the the fun part of the business is buying. I mean, that's But you have to sell some to kind of (laughs) pay the rent and everything. But the fun part is just because every day I'm seeing things I've never seen before. And I've been doing it for thirty-five plus years.
0: Like what? What, what did you see yesterday, Jay?
1: Oh, oh gosh, I Sorry, can't no, remember. <laughs> yeah. you got me and what there. did you have
0: for breakfast? I <laughs> hate questions like that. What's on your but, What's on your nightstand?
1: <laughs> there's some book that I just haven't seen before. But anyway, to answer, answer to your question about where the books come from, I, I mean, people do bring them in and sell, but I go to estate sales, uh, book sales um i buy from we buy from each other other dealers occasionally
0: and and with that would you do that if for example for the arctic or for the antarctica yeah. to expand your collection cuz people know that maybe you have a well yeah i mean you have
1: an expertise in a certain area so you can buy it used to be easier to do that than it is now because now any dealer can look something up on the internet and everyone it tends to uh, it's a little harder to buy in that that respect, actually, the best books actually come from buying estates, uh, collections. Uh, uh, people moving or dying or, or whatever, settling in an estate, and usually the best books come from that. Uh,
0: because they're larger. Yeah, a books. large
1: collection. Uh, generally.
0: How many books? And if you go, like, uh, on average, if you go to an estate sale, and you, do you just bid and buy the whole thing, Jay? Oh, and then generally
1: no. I oh, mean, okay. generally, I. I'm, I pick what I can, if I'm going to an estate sale or, or I'm asked to come look at a collection, I tend to buy what I think I can use. And have means, you
0: have you ever thought of something, like not known something and remembered it and then thought, oh, I should have gotten that and oh, yeah. it was gone or something <laughs> yeah. like that? Because oh, yes. <laughs> yes. I, I would be sort of I think almost a nervous uh, ninny, like coming out with like bags and bags just <laughs> yeah. in case or, yeah. you know.
1: Oh yeah, yeah, sometimes I've you pass something up which I should have gotten, but uh, but generally, it's, it's experience. You find you you, 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 you kind of have a sense what you should buy and what you shouldn't, what well, you shouldn't.
0: Well, yeah, not enough about regrets. What, yes. what, what do you, what were some of the, do you, can you think of any off the top of your head where there were the finds where you just thought, Eureka? Oh, you know, whether it was at a state sale oh my, or oh. where you found somewhere.
1: Oh, there are a number of those. I, I, I did years ago bought a photography album at a sale and I probably shouldn't mention the name of the sale because but it, it was in it oh, was go at, on. it was at a book sale <laughs> local <laughs> uh but they had it on a on a on a table of their their special table I mean had the general books but then they had a special and it was um, and they had it marked at $15 and it was a big album uh big oblong album they had photographs of, of mountaineering Views of the Alps, and I knew they were early and um, and I said, Boy, this is probably worth a couple hundred dollars and this was in the late seventies and uh, that so I bought it, and I started doing some research on it and and it turned out to be worth sixty seven thousand dollars then and I thought and I sold the photographs individually, and I wish I had them back as they probably worth ten times that now, but it would, but it was just one of those, and it had been there sitting on the table for half an hour, and nobody had picked it up. So it's one of those serendipity. I mean, that kind of keeps us going. It doesn't certainly doesn't happen very often. But
0: but that's also a you've you've gathered knowledge as you yeah. go along, and that's yeah. you play some, your hunches, it, and you're able to see something that other people couldn't see.
1: Right. Yeah. Let I me mean, think of of Some others. Um, well, I'll think of one in a okay. little bit. Okay. <laughs> okay. Well,
0: well, you wanted to also mention um that, that there's going to be an antiquarian book fair.
1: Coming oh, yes, out. I was going to talk about uh, well, book fair first, book oh, fairs yes. in general. Uh, one aspect of the book trade is that there are gatherings of booksellers, I'll we'll call them antiquarian book fairs and um, the major ones, the biggest, largest ones in the country, are put on by an organization called the Antiquarian Booksellers Association of America, the ABAA. And they put on shows in New York and San Francisco, Los Angeles, Boston. And we've done some in Chicago and Washington. But uh, New York and, and the, well, New York, San Francisco, and Los Angeles, and Boston are the main ones now.
0: That's great because I've also, done
1: them all at various times, but I
0: it gets you out of your own region
1: right, too, right? Right, and they're a, a lot of international dealers, European dealers. These are the big, especially San Francisco and and New York are the really the, the largest ones, and um, but there are also local fairs, regional book fairs, and uh, the one we have one here in Ann Arbor, which is generally in May, the middle of May. And in the last few years, it's been in conjunction with the Ann Arbor Book Festival, but it's always held in the ballroom of the Michigan Union. And we get got about 40 book dealers coming from as far away as Minnesota and Tennessee. Um, I think we went to Virginia, that area. And we went to a dealer from Montreal last year. So. Do
0: so What do get, people do? Do people bring like, their best books or right, something Right, they tend that to bring to their better, uh, more showcase. interesting
1: books, what they really want to be known for. And... Uh, so it, it's, 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 has described a book fair as being, that's the best bookshop in the world at that particular time, because all these dealers have brought their best books, so you have, so it, it's, it's a, and it's a great way to go if you're interested at all in, in books, a way to go to talk to dealers and see a lot of different, uh, because nobody, no dealer is the same. Everyone has different ideas about how things, you know, what they're going to bring, what they think is important, and what they like to talk about. So it's a great way to meet dealers and be introduced to the to books. If
0: somebody wants to start this now, what would you say to them? Start a shop of their own.
1: Good luck. <laughs> no. <laughs> I would say it'd be a lot harder today, I think, to start in the book business. Um, it's kind of hard to describe how because it was such an adventure doing it when you, and how you discover and doing uh, I'm, I'm trying to put it in good words in, in words that some of the well, maybe it's just because I've been doing it so long. The feeling's a little bit different than it is now. But I think it would be harder with the internet. It's just not as exciting. Before that, you were discovering things in a different manner, and uh, I think too many people rely on looking things up on the internet as opposed to doing um, getting out and handling the books more.
0: <laughs> and, and 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 so that would. So you mean actually going out and looking. Like, would you travel further than the the estate sales around here, Jay? When oh, you yeah. were looking, would you go to—is that part of the oh, adventure that you're, bit, yeah. you're thinking mm-hmm. of? Yeah. Like, how I've, far have you been?
1: Oh, okay. Well, I've been out—well, uh, actually, one of the best collections I bought—well, actually, two of the best collections I bought. One was in Connecticut. These are both polar collections. Polar okay. collections. Yes. Great. Yes, and one was out in Connecticut, and actually the guy I bought it from, he'd been a customer of mine. I'd been sending him catalogs, and he decided to sell his collection. and uh, And he he had been a mountain climber, also. He'd climbed with uh, Sir Edmund Hillary, and he'd been to the Antarctic himself. had led kind of a small private expedition to the Antarctic, and uh, and that's what great. you need. That's what I need. <laughs> and then he it was a great, fantastic collection. And he also, which he wasn't selling, he also collected different editions of Wind in the Willows, which is one of my favorite books. <laughs> and he had a whole bookcase. He was this mountain, you know, <laughs> his adventurer in Wind in the Willows. And,
0: he was a little sightless so, mole
1: in a rowboat yes. with, right,
0: with a frog. <laughs> yeah.
1: So I thought that was, we com- we communicated. <laughs> it was a great collection. Another one was out in Colorado, uh, in Boulder. Another customer was selling his polar collection. And this was actually right after it was two thousand and two thousand and two, and we drove out. Well, my wife and I drove out to pick up the collection, and and uh, it was a guy who had been a scientist, or it was a scientist who was still here. But he he had decided to say he he'd contacted me actually ten years ago and said he wanted to sell a collection because he thought he was going to move to Hawaii and didn't want to take it with him. And then I made an offer, and he said then he didn't get he didn't get the job, I guess. And then. Uh, Decided to stay, and then he called me 10 years later, and I still had the list. (laughs) And I said, I'm still interested, and I'll double the offer. (laughs) So we went out and got it, and it was a.
0: And there you go. Well, we'll we'll take a short break, Jay, and then we'll be back. You're listening to Living Writers. I'm T. Hetzel. Today on the program, Jay Platt from West Side Bookshop. We'll be back. you've got living writers i'm t hetzel today on the program j platt from west side bookshop 113 west liberty right here in ann arbor um representing <laughs> <laughs> and thanks to alex bell for engineering um all right. Well, it's summertime. Summertime. So, mm. so you drove to Boulder, Colorado, to for mm. on the the quest after a decade for this polar expedition collection. Right. So then you and so then you bring it back. Is it like a massive collection? So just to get because I don't know anything, as you can yeah. tell from talking to me. Like I'm picturing you have a U-Haul, you know. No a
1: minivan. regular a minivan. A <laughs> it's great for the book trade. or just the right size. It was about thirty-five cartons of books, just all on polar exploration.
0: So and, uh, so how many of them are still in the shop now, Jay? Are, so what um, happens most to Most of
1: those are gone now. Okay. They, they get sold. And actually I have one good, very good customer. One reason I haven't had a catalog out for a while, he's been bought up most of my, especially Antarctic books. A, a gentleman here in town whose uncle had gone with Admiral Byrd on one of his expeditions, his last expedition in uh, 1940. And, uh, and he had... So he got interested and came in, just walked in the shop one day and said, "Do you have any books on the Antarctic?" And I said, "Well, I just happen to have a few." <laughs> and he started buying it, and as he's he's built one of the great Antarctic collections in the country, and I know where a lot of the big big collections are, and he's he had the money to do it, and went after it and is still still buying, and it's been so he came in, that was probably 1998, so it's been over 10, 10, 11 years. And so when I bought this collection back, he bought a good portion of it. And uh, so it was... A,
0: in a way, not to be competitive, but in a way, if you had kept all the books in these, because you've had bought several large collections yourself, then you would be hmm. like the largest yeah. repository. But like you said, well, it's it's the decision, it, you, you kind and, of made that decision to be bookseller rather right. than collector.
1: And, Partly just finances. They can't really afford to keep them all. I would love to. <laughs> but. Uh, Is but your home but,
0: just like wall-to-wall books, no, Jenny? Most,
1: well, they're, they're a lot, mostly in piles of the things I'm reading.
0: A book lover <laughs> no, has many a of, piles. <laughs> you know, got,
1: a lot of my reference books are at home, too. But um, uh, uh, what was I going to say? Oh, yes, the um, the collection... You know by being able to sell them and handling collections i can I can hand I can afford to have these great books go through my hands <laughs> and I can keep them for a while or for a while or mine but then I pass them on so it's uh,
0: and in some ways you probably know where to find them again like if you, you wanted know, to visit oh, I know them, where or some of them are yes
1: I do <laughs> yes I do
0: <laughs> so yes. how many big book collectors are in Ann Arbor that you oh. know of the, and do they Boy, all have their own specialties? Okay. Oh, yes. So,
1: yeah. so I've got, well, I'm not sure if I can count the number, I mean, but a few dozen at least, I think are really serious book collectors. Uh, and some of them, not all of them, buy locally, unfortunately. There's some I'm doing an appraisal on a collection here in town. I got a fantastic English, early English literature collection. And I don't think he ever bought a book from me, but he would buy from dealers out east or in London and some some people just think oh it's because it's local I don't want to buy it they want to go with a big name out east <laughs> right and right. they also paid more than <laughs> i think they should have but that's another point but they're uh, uh, but there some but most of the collectors locally uh are, are 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 pretty active and they they like to you know they visit the shop fairly regularly and see what's coming in
0: well i'm i'm inspired to actually um I don't know, when I was thinking about the shop um, the last few days and, and this morning to prepare for speaking mm. with you, Jay, mm. I was just thinking, you know, I don't know why I don't go to your shop at least once a week. Okay. <laughs> you know, like just to okay. check in and, and feel like there's something about being in inside your bookshop that's just... Uh, um, an no, experience that you. you don't get mm-hmm. many places anymore, I don't think. It's so soothing yeah. yet um, no, it. exciting in a way, like what you're finding and discovering.
1: Well, I think that's—I I certainly feel the same. You know, it's fun. I mean, I enjoy going into the shop every day. Because you're <laughs> passionate. Some, yes. I, I, li- I really like being there. I like, I like doing it. And I like going into other shops and going out and buying. You know, I like to visit other bookshops when I travel around. And there are fewer of them these days. And it was always nice to discover a shop. I remember, gosh, there was one back oh, gosh, how long ago now? But a shop that had uh, in eastern eastern Pennsylvania, which is in eastern Pennsylvania, and I was driving to New York and stopped in and I said, and it had been around since the '60s, if I recall correctly. And I thought, boy, this is a neat shop. And I walked in and bought a whole bunch of books, and a young couple had just bought it and i and I don't think they knew, really knew what they were doing but the next year i went back and they it had really gone downhill they hadn't i think they'd probably gone online for one thing which i thought was a mistake but the, they hadn't really bought well and it, it was like and what when does the first that mean? time i went this was a great shop and the second time i went i thought it really hadn't changed and they put in a coffee bar and things like that I don't think it's a good idea. But
0: so when so what, what makes a great <clears throat> shop like when you're looking for a place because
1: you're always buying. I mean, you see a shop that is buying books. I mean, it are, it is, uh, the stock keeps changing, you know, or, or uh,
0: and it's a, <clears throat> excuse and it's, me. it's, and it's yeah. the quality of the stock. Of yeah. course, you can right, kind of the... tell
1: when someone cares about the shop and is trying to keep having books come in and keeping your stock fresh. I guess is probably the best way to put it.
0: Well, what what do you what's your what is the future of Westside Bookshop now?
1: I'll probably die with my boots on. <laughs> I mean, I you know I have no other plan. I don't. It's the type of thing you don't. I mean, I don't think you ever retire from the book trade because it's something. I mean, I, you, know, you hear people who retire and say I'd like to open up a bookstore. Well, that's what I'm doing now. So <laughs> uh, I, I, I that's hard to say, but I, I don't. I plan to keep doing it.
0: It's just going to keep on keeping on. Yeah. Thank goodness. Yes. As
1: long as I can keep paying the rent, I'll I'll be there.
0: Because, as you said, you walk in and you love it. Mm -hmm. And you... um, It seems also... All day you could spend. Like if when people are coming in and through, mm-hmm. um, you're, you're talking about ideas with yeah. your customers.
1: Yeah, I think book um, people are the most interesting people. <laughs> I mean, they're always all kinds of interesting people. Come by
0: in interesting? And, do you mean odd?
1: Uh, well, that, that's also true. <laughs> but, <laughs> but people just in the very different things, and people come all over the from all over the country come in, and a lot of them just make it. They make a special trip to the shop when they come in, and I was just. In, mostly inter- very interesting people, because they can, cause they're always they have something on you know uh, they're passionate about a different subject or whatever. So yes.
0: <clears throat> and what are some of the the other subjects? Because we've talked about the, the polar
1: expeditions. Right. Um,
0: there's other <clears throat> um, and nautical. So now the nautical part oh, makes nautical, sense to yeah, me because probably, of your background here yes, at the I university. Have
1: a, a large nautical collection, but we deal a lot in literature. We have a very extensive literature collection, poetry. A lot of art books. I mean, it's it's a big. I mean, we we keep Michigan history, of course, is a another interest uh, of I've, mine.
0: I've even seen old, um, I think, University of Michigan yearbooks.
1: Oh yes, in okay. your, well, we always carry, try to carry a, a bunch of U.M. Uh, University of Michigan material. Oh, so,
0: the, what's what's some of the what are some of the books that are behind the glass? Like, what are some <laughs> of your 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 prizes right now?
1: Ah. oh, actually, one of the nicest books I have is a uh, first edition of um, the first Winnie the Pooh book, which was called When We Were Very Young by A.A. A. Milne. And came out in 1924, and this is an edition limited to 100 copies signed by Milne and by uh, Ernest Shepard, who did the illustrations. And it's been bound in a, a beautiful red leather binding with a leather, a leather case for it. And um, I've had it for about a year or so now, but it's, a, it's probably my—it's the most expensive book I have, <laughs> let's put it that way.
0: Would that be—would then museums also approach you to buy—add um, that to their collection, or would universities add it to their um, archival uh, collections? Or is it well, always possible. a private
1: collector? More of a private. I mean, that, a book like that would be more likely to go to a private uh, collector, but um, libraries do buy. you know I don't deal as much with libraries as i, I mean i not as much as I used to actually. Uh, I deal mainly with private collectors and and then sell at book fairs to other dealers and to collectors here too.
0: Because with books, I wonder if that's part of also the mission of books, for many people to have them in their hands, too. I think sometimes I think too much like it's an individual relationship with a book. Oh, like, yes. so it's, it's, oh, yeah. But but is it that a book's life is meant to be in seen by many people in many places? Oh, yeah. Or?
1: Yes, I think. Uh, oh, the One thing I'd like to mention is that one thing about buying books and buying them in bookstores is that each book has a story. I remember when I more collected more and I have them on my shelves and I would just sit and look at them. I said, boy, I remember when I got that. And what that was, I was a neat find. Where did I get, you know, and if a book had a story, I think buying online, you kind of lose that because it's all kind of the same. But when you know you had to travel and you ran into the shop and found this book or you went to a flea market and found it and he said, every book has a story. And, um, so I think that something is lost if you buy that online. So it's so it's a plug for the bookshops.
0: Yes, every every book has a story. I know yeah. one of my books um, was owned by uh, a a, f- a man that I knew in Seattle named Stan Burris, and he would uh, get his books all at used bookshops, and uh, and he he had uh, some some um, mental health issues, mm-hmm. and um, but he would write his his name, the date, and where he got the book, like which oh, yeah. bookshop and where, and so there was the story of the book was starting to be there like oh, you yeah. said
1: yes actually one another collection i bought from a professor here who had uh and he'd been buying books in the 30s and 40s and he always put his name and where he bought it in you know in europe and things it was a great you know it was just neat light pencil it didn't you know but it was just a yes it's a, i wish more people would do that because it's kind of interesting kind of Gives the history of the book,
0: and maybe people yeah. will. Yeah. Jay Platt, thank you so much for being here today on Living Writers. Thank you, T. And yeah. and come back anytime, mm-hmm. anytime. Thank you for listening, Ann Arbor. Thanks to Alex Bellhudge for engineering. Um, thanks for streaming. Whether you're Chicago, Bermuda, Florida, Seattle, wherever you are, I'm T. Hetzel, Jay Platt from Westside Bookshop. Until next time.
1: Okay.